0: welcome everyone thank you for coming joining with us today this is a, a momentous time welcome to those of you that are joining us on the live stream so happy you can tune in and be part of this day which is a great celebration as we uh, inaugurate and set bill and Marilyn menser in as lead pastors and um, just at the beginning here to let you know we have some special guests uh coming actually from all over the country and uh and uh including our founding pastor ken norberg is he in the room here there he is look at that pounding pastor. it's all his fault No, we're here because of ken's vision and uh, and faithfulness to follow the calling of the lord uh, Uh, started church in Kalamazoo and here we are so many years later and uh, so so honored to have him in the house to join with us as well as a number of other pastors that have been part of the leadership team over the years but first let's turn our attention to the reason we're here and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and turn our hearts our minds our spirits and our voices to worship him because he's worthy of all that we have. Would you stand and worship the Lord?
1: Honor, you are our God, the one we live for. We give you praise and all of the glory. we give you praise and all of the honor you are our god the one we live for we give you praise and all of the glory god we set our eyes on you we give you praise and all of the honor
2: receiving. Bill and Marilyn will be receiving this morning. Yes, the torch is going to be passed to them, but it's not just for them. This morning is for everyone. So as we work our way through worship, just post yourself in a position to just receive. Receive whatever you need, whether it's breakthrough, whether it's healing, whether it's provision. Just receive this morning as we work our way through worship. Just sing a song to God and let him just
1: Provide the sphere.
0: Father, that you are so faithful, yeah. that we pray to you, Lord, you hear us, that you're present in your people gathered. As we uh, exalt you, you fill this place, and you exalt us just by being in our presence. Lord, we honor and magnify you, and we thank you for the opportunity of worshiping you this morning. Thank you so much for the sacrifice Christ provided on the cross. Jesus came, lived a life, did good teaching, you know, did miracles, but the reason he came was to die, to give his life a ransom, to pay the penalty of our sin, to provide access to everlasting life, to whosoever calls upon his name, accepts him as Lord and Savior. If you're in this room and you haven't done that, or if you did it but you haven't been following him closely, I encourage you right now, do not leave this place, don't leave this moment without recognizing and confessing that Jesus is your Lord, that you believe his death on the cross paid the price to set you free. That you believe that he will come again and at his call, we will rise from the dead and join with him to live eternally. Believing that, making that decision to follow him, this is the only requirement of salvation. You don't have to be good enough. That's the point you can't be. But when you follow him, he enables you to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. So, Jesus, we commit our lives to you once again. We thank you for the cross. And we commit to follow you all the days of our lives because you are worthy. And if you think he's worthy, give him a shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. There was a plague in the land of Israel. And David the king was was seeking God to to see this plague this this great disaster come to an end. And a prophet came to him and told him he had to make a sacrifice to the Lord and the Lord would hear his prayer. And so David went to a certain place <clears throat> to offer this sacrifice. And he went to the landowner and said, I want to buy this field. And the landowner was, David, you're the king. You can have it. My goodness, it's yours. And David's response is, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. He made it very clear. If anyone understood worship, it was King David. He wrote much of the Psalms. He established the pattern of worship that we still follow to this day. But the heart behind worship is that I must. there must be a cost personally to me, and if there isn't, it's not valid worship. If you attend a church, if you come to this building, you are Everything here it came at, the, at a cost. You know, they didn't build this building for free. The electricity isn't free. The worship instruments aren't free, right? Others paid a price so that you could have a field or a place upon which to worship. And so you have the opportunity to contribute toward the purchase price we can't buy our salvation. Jesus paid for that. We can't buy God's love. He doesn't need our money. But it is the heart attitude of saying, I want, I want to invest in this. With, not, with my time, with my energy, my effort, my, my love and my passion, but also something tangible. and that, That's where money comes in. Or if you want to give us a car. We, we've done that. <laughs> a house, a boat, you know airplane. <laughs> no. So we try to make it easy. There's a giving uh, station uh, to the left of the door that you came in. There's also a link on the website and on screen there, these, these envelopes. We make it as easy as we can so that you can contribute. And there's many ways to do that. Uh, if you're a guest visiting with us today, don't feel any obligation to do so. But we do ask you to perfectly continue uh, consider contributing as an act of worship. It is part of the worship service. In the Old Testament, it was the center, central focus of the entire worship event was the bringing of sacrifices, and it's sacred. And we do that <clears throat> to honor the Lord. Well, thank you for being with us today. Today, as I mentioned earlier, is a special day in which we are inaugurating the Mensers. <clears throat> the ballots. Yeah. As, as lead pastors, one thing I want to make very clear, today is all about Bill and Merrily Menser and them uh, being set into this role. Today is not about me, okay? I've served this congregation for many years, and uh, it's, it's so grandiose that they're gonna, we're going to have a separate service <laughs> on August 21st so you can say nice things or funny things about me. So so just to be clear, we just want to, this is a celebration about the men, for the mensers and for our future as a congregation, all right? And so we just want to be laser focused on that. Uh, and uh, one other thing, as part of this celebration, um, we will have lunch provided by Queue It Up, <clears throat> uh, which is a really good catering company in town if you haven't tasted of it. They always provide a good food, a good meal. So that will be after the service. All right. Right now, though, we are going to have our dear friends, Scott and Stephanie Jones from New Day Community Church, South Carolina, come and share with us an exhortation.
3: Wow. It's, it's very exciting to be here today. Um, seeing lots of folks that are part of this church and people that are coming in from the past. Um, Ken Norberg, that was a big surprise. Um, Scott Sunnyville, So and so many others. Uh, it's just really exciting. And what a big day uh, as there's this commissioning and this inauguration of the Menzers. We just want to share a brief message. And I was really getting hit during worship, so I hope I can be coherent as we talk today. (laughs) Pray for me. All of you intercessors that really love to intercede, just go for it. Do not hold back quietly. Um, (laughs) But I um, could not help reflect on the story of Moses and Joshua, because of course, when you look at their lives together Uh, As these two leaders, they accomplished one goal. They brought the children of Israel out of one place and into another. So not one of them did it, but it it actually took two of them to do it. And I look at that and I think, well, this is pilgrimage, right? They were on a journey. Uh, They didn't start out as like we are in a stationary place where we've reached the goal. Now, in a sense, they finished there. But over the course of leadership, they were on a pilgrimage and they were going from one place to another. However, Hebrews 13, 14 says, for here we have no lasting city. We seek the city that is to come. And when we zoom out a little bit further, the story that we see there is just a shadow of something much, much bigger because all of us are on a pilgrimage and as we see that leadership needed to be handed from one person to another during that pilgrimage, we see the same thing now. And, um, and I would like to, in this story, I would like to compare Cameron to Moses um, <laughs> because he went first. And then I would like to compare the Menzers to Joshua. And it's time for Moses to hand over to Joshua. What would that have been like Back in the day to experience that, to have seen um, Moses lead you out of Egypt, to see the Red Sea part, to see miracles happen, to see a man who went to a tent where the presence of God was manifested and talked to God as face-to-face and then say, okay, well, I'm done. Someone else has taken over. Moses went on a long vacation, appeared later on the Mount of Transfiguration talking to Jesus. Um, But there was a time when Cameron was a Joshua and Ken was a Moses, right? And if you rewind a little bit further, there was a time when Ken was a Joshua and Brother Morris was a Moses and on and on it goes, right? And so it's time to hand over. Now, one of the things that Joshua did towards the end of his life is he got up and he said, choose today who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Seems like an odd thing to say to a bunch of people that have been following uh, the presence of God on this massive journey over decades. What an odd thing to say. But Moses actually was doing the same thing before he handed over to Joshua. He started to say, look, I'm reminding you now, stick to what God has done. Do not forget him. And there come these points where God draws a line and it's like a finish line, um, maybe a temporary finish line for the things that have come before. Remember what God has done before and recall everything great that has happened up until now. And yet that finish line is also a starting line for what is to come next. And you could say, wow, we, I mean, we've seen so many things. We've seen so many miracles we've seen, you know, for those folks there that, I mean, just the red sea alone, the, the things that they saw in Egypt, um, for God to deliver them. Well, we've seen it all right well, the, guess what? They had no idea that the walls of Jericho were going to fall the way that they did. They knew that they were going to get the promised land. They didn't know how it was going to happen, and they didn't know the miracles that Leda had. They didn't know the supernatural provision, right? And they, sorry, I, I feel like I'm going to might lose it. I was thinking about this during worship, but they didn't know. I never cry. This is not right. (laughs) It's not fair to cry in front of people. Um, (laughs) They didn't know that a woman named Rahab would come to faith and join the people of God and watch those walls of Jericho fall with her own eyes. And they didn't know that that same woman would have a son named Boaz and they didn't know that he would meet a woman named Ruth who would have a son together named Obed. They didn't know that Obed would have a son named Jesse who would have a son named David who would be such a foreshadowing of Christ that Jesus himself is known as the son of David they didn't know that this was going to go out for generations and generations and generations. And what I'm saying to you today is there's a transition. So many good things have happened in this church, but guys, the story is not over and you have no idea what is to come. You have no idea what is to come, right? Generations and generations. So the picture that I saw, Um, as I was praying about today, was the picture of the dove alighting. And I just heard the words, the dove is alighting. We go back to Genesis and we see that at the end of the flood, when the dove found a branch to alight on, it was a sign that deliverance was here. We see at Jesus' baptism that when the dove found a branch to alight on, that deliverance is here. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is all over this transition. The Holy Spirit is all over this move. And the dove is alighting on this branch. And there are good things to come. And not only that, but you need it. You guys as leaders, you guys as a church, you're going to need it. You're going to need that presence of God. It said that Moses went into that tent of meeting where... God's manifest presence was all day long. But when he went home at the end of the day, Joshua stayed. Joshua stayed in the presence of God, right? We've got to have the presence of God leading the way, showing us who was Samson. Samson was just an empty vessel who needed God to show up every single time a miracle happened. He never could have learned enough. He never could have grown enough to emulate what God wanted to do in his life, but he was completely ineffective at making it happen if God didn't show up. And I think we're that way as well. My last thing that I want to share, and then I'll hand over to Stephanie, is you know, when Moses took over, the people were not too sure about it, right? and he received his commissioning out in the desert all alone but they were like like you're that guy right you're that guy that <laughs> killed that egyptian you know we know your story we're not so sure about this and the more you talk the more trouble we get into so why don't you be quiet i'm not i'm not comparing cameron or ken to this being the Moses. someday you'll be a moses too <laughs> But they weren't so sure about it. When David was anointed, they weren't so sure about it, right? When Jesus took over, they weren't so sure about it. And it's my final word is this. Paul says this in Second Corinthians 5.16. He says, therefore, from now on, everybody say now on. Now on. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And I'm saying this today. This is part of the new. There's a finish line and there's a starting line. And the way you engage with the starting line is this you regard no one according to the flesh. And I say that over Bill and Merrily, we do not know them according to the flesh. We do not know them according to their natural history. But I'm saying that to you, the way you look at each other, you are not to look at someone else in this church according to the flesh and say, well, I know who they are because I've seen their history. And as this church... We do not see this church according to the flesh. We do not see it according to the limitation of what we can wrap our head around and what we figured out because God is on the move. And in Christ, all things are new. And I believe you are headed into bigger and bigger and bigger things that will go on for generations and generations.
4: That's so good. Last week um, at church, we were talking about FOMO. Do you know what FOMO is? The fear of missing out. And um, I was talking about King David and how, in essence, he really was missing out. When the prophet came to anoint a new king over Israel, when Samuel showed up with Jesse's sons, Jesse brought all seven of those sons out. And Samuel was thinking, well, it must be this guy because he seems really tall and good looking and charismatic. And the Lord speaks to Samuel and says, you're looking with your outside eyes. And I don't look like that. I look at the heart. And of course, Samuel says to Jesse, do you have another son? And he says, well, there's David. He's out there with the sheep. And, you know, there are some ideas about why Jesse didn't bring David in. And the truth is, we just don't actually know. But obviously, he was not the kind of person that his own father would have thought of as worthy to be anointed by a prophet. And yet God brought him in. And David must have lived with such a sense of the divine providence of succession that when his own son Solomon came into power after him, David stands up in front of all of Israel, and I know this is your heart, Cameron, and he says he he orders the leaders of Israel to follow his son Solomon. Now, this isn't a monarchy. (laughs) Cameron cannot order you to follow Bill and Merrily, but that's the heart. And then David goes on to address his son Solomon and say, you know, be strong and courageous. Be brave. It's going to be challenging, but you have what it takes. And I love to think about this whole progression of leadership because what you see is that Solomon is given the anointing, he's given the kingship, and and David dies. And it's not until after David dies and Solomon is already set in as king that we see the kind of supernatural anointing come on Solomon that we remember him for. Because it wasn't until after David died and after Solomon was king that Solomon had an encounter with God in a dream. And you know this story. The, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and says to him, what shall I give you? And Solomon answers in the dream, I would like you to give me a wise and understanding heart. And God says, that is such a brilliant answer. I'm not only going to make you wiser than anyone that's ever lived. I'm going to make you richer and more prosperous than anyone that's ever lived. And what we look back for now and remember Solomon for today did not come upon him until after his anointing. And he didn't get it by going to you know, some great training school or a university or anything like that. And all those things are good, but he got it from God in a dream. Supernaturally, that anointing came on him for wisdom, for governance, but also for incredible favor and prosperity. It all came on him in a dream. Then, of course, then he built the temple. Then he brought the Ark of the Covenant in. And then the fire of God fell to confirm But it took time. And I love to think of the progression and the transitions in leadership and succession in the Old Testament. And then if you jump over into the New Testament, you have basically, essentially the most important leadership transition in all of history, which was the transition that took place when Jesus was crucified and resurrected and the anointing came on his followers, Now, you think of this, these um, guys have just been through a colossal shakeup. Just think for a minute about what it must have been like. You've got the triumphant entry and everyone's saying, the king is here. And they're thinking, this is it, boys. We're going into the big time. We're taking over. And then suddenly, you know, Judas disappears at dinner when Jesus says, one of you will betray me. And I don't think that any of the other boys in that room thought it's Judas because it doesn't say, and verily, they all looked sideways at Judas. I think this is totally my guess, but I think they thought it's that guy, Peter, because he has such a big mouth. (laughs) Let's build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. You know, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. And if I think in that room, If you had thought out of the 12 of us here, which one is going to do something really stupid? It's that guy there. It's Peter, right? And of course, Judas slips out, betrays Jesus. Then they're in Gethsemane. Track with me here. One minute they've been, oh, he's the king. He's coming in. Next minute, Jesus is in a puddle on the floor crying, sweating blood out of his face and rebuking them for going to sleep when they're all exhausted. This is an emotional roller coaster. And then, you know, suddenly these soldiers turn up and arrest Jesus. Judas gives him a kiss. They start figuring out what's happening. Jesus is imprisoned, scourged, crucified. Wow. What a colossal shakeup. And then three days later, he rises again. The women show up hysterical. We've seen him. We've seen the Lord. Wow. What are you going on about? And then over the next 40 days, Jesus is appearing to all kinds of people as a leader. Talk about losing track of the narrative. Talk about losing control of the entire narrative. It's out of your hands. Are they shaken up? They are shaken up. And then Pentecost comes. And just like the prophet sought out David, the spirit of God sought out Peter on that day. And on Pentecost, it said, Jesus stood, um, Peter stood up and he began to unfold to them and unlock to them the words of the prophet Joel, applying it to what was happening on that day. And suddenly the other 11 must have gone, oh my gosh, are you kidding? This guy? <laughs> I don't know if they really thought that. That's what I would have thought if I were there. And yet the Lord raised up Peter on that day as one of the key leaders in the early church. I love succession and transition because these are times where God shows himself as active and present. He shows himself as the author of history in churches and communities. And God cares about these moments. And I love how today Scott remembered the history of this church from Ken to Cameron and then Cameron sent us out and we've got the Gobers here today as well who went on out to Bethel and now circling back around to the New Day fold. And you know, it's easy to look back and understand the hand of God, the finger of God tracing through transitions and change. But in the moment, it's not always so easy. And it would have been the same for those 12 guys that we read about in the Bible today. What a colossal shakeup, betrayals, people leaving, things changing. How many of you have been through some of those things in the last couple of years? These things do not deter for one moment the purposes of God, the plans of God. And I really believe, as I was considering yesterday, that transition from David to Solomon and all of the wisdom that came on Solomon, the ark being brought into the temple, the plans being furthered and the fire falling. I'm speaking to you prophetically today. I believe these things are yours. I believe the heart and intentions that God had when this church was planted by Ken in what year was it? 82. 1980. Yeah. Sometime in here. <laughs> you know, when, when that happened, God was already here today. He was already in this moment. He already knew. And God sees the heart. And I remember, guys, right after you guys got married, I think Scott and I did marriage counseling with you guys. And I think after one of the times we met with you, Scott and I talked afterwards, and we said, oh, we could see those guys taking over what we do one day, being over in a healing. Because you guys were so humble and so vulnerable, like breathtaking vulnerability, just cracking open your new marriage to us and letting us get right in there with you guys. I see your hearts. You guys are vulnerable. You guys don't hide things. You guys don't have secrets. You guys have integrity. You guys have honesty. You guys have everything it takes. And you're gonna have to be strong and courageous but God will stand with you. And just as the fire came, when Solomon brought the ark back into the temple, that was something that no man could do. And God is going to do something like that for you guys. There is going to be fire that comes in due course and people will know that God stands with you. Be bold and courageous. Amen.
0: In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, this is verse 1 and 2, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. They've already mentioned how uh, leadership is like a race, but uh, the leadership of ministry, of pastoring a church, it certainly is not a sprint, although at times we need to run fast. (laughs) It definitely is a marathon, in which you you set out a course and you stick to it, and you just don't stop. But I think the best uh, illustration of ministry is a relay race. It's like a relay marathon. <laughs> Every pastor is ultimately just an in, uh, interim pastor because there's going to be someone that comes along. Interim pastors are are those generally that come for a short time in between senior pastor uh, roles. But we're all interim pastors. We all are stewarding a body for just a season, and that season will come to an end. But we have to run with endurance. And that word endurance can also be translated steadfastness constancy. Right? It's the characteristic, in one dictionary it says, is the characteristic of a man or woman who has not swerved uh, from their deliberate purpose and their loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. So regardless of what comes, you don't change course. You press on, you keep your eyes set. Of course, the scripture says we we set our eyes on Jesus and we follow him and we endure. It's a patient, steadfast waiting, a patient endurance, it's perseverance. And that's the trait, Bill and Mary Lee, that makes the difference between being successful or not. You cannot judge the success of a ministry by the number of people in the room or the size of the budget. Uh, I was talking with uh, a pastor uh, in training at a school I was doing just two weeks ago, and he sat down, and he had this long, complicated question. <laughs> because he'd been part of a, a mega church and on staff in that, and he kind of saw the, the trajectory of that and had been part of a smaller churches. And he was like, so, so what do you think? What, what? I finally said, excuse me, the numbers don't matter. He was like, what? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, it just, does, it just has no relevance. It just all that, that means is where the decimal point is. All of the problems, I have friends that pastor massive churches, and we've had this conversation. The only difference is where the decimal lands. In fact, another pastor friend of mine that I had the uh, privilege of being with just this past week up in northern Michigan, I, my family and I go to a pastor's retreat week, and there's pastors from all these different denominations. And um, he had pastored some very, very large churches, thousands of of members and he'd also been a denominational leader for many years. But then he's later in life, he's about my age. <laughs> and uh they were looking at what to do next and there was a small church out in California, Santa Barbara not far from you. And um it was, and, and so him and his wife took the call, went there to pastor this church and um thought well, this will be a this will be a cakewalk, you know. It's, it's 125 people. How hard can it be? And he said to me, he said, he said he he anticipated it would be easy. He said, pastoring a small church is far more complex than pastoring a large church. He was shocked. I was like, yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) For the joy set before him. That's another part of the package. You know, don't let the difficulties, or the exhaustion in the middle of the marathon uh, make you forget that you're doing this for a joyful purpose. And if Jesus could endure the cross and endure the shame that came with everything associated with the cross for the joy that was set before him, you likewise keep your eye on the joy. And there's a progression It says he endured the cross, he despised the shame. It's not fun to go through difficulties, but we do it for joy. And the, if we do that, then we end up sitting down at the right hand of God. And if that progression is true for our Lord Jesus Christ, as we follow him, and especially as we follow, you follow him in ministry, keep that progression in mind. Do it for joy. Be motivated out of that joy the joy that we have through Jesus, the joy we have in seeing uh, people come to faith, the joy that we experience in walking people through meaningful, significant times of their life. There's The pastor is filled with so many moments of joy uh, that we don't want to be overwhelmed by the moments of discouragement and difficulties and lose our joy because it's for the joy. And Jesus, Jesus <clears throat> you know, Jesus is the joy of man's desire, right? But guess what? You're Jesus's joy. The joy set before him was was us, was you. He saw you. And he said, I'll endure the cross. I'll take on that shame because I see Bill and Marilee. I see Scott and Stephanie. I see Mark. I see Ken. I see on the other side of that cross. And so... As you minister and have your opportunity to set the pace and run the race, do so with endurance, and we're going to be behind you, cheering you on. Uh, and this whole idea of a relay race, actually have a an official baton. Oh <laughs> <clears throat> and I love the picture, I, I wish I'd had a time to get a video, but if you have never seen a a relay race. It's like there's one person leading and they're running with the baton and they don't stop and say, my time is done. Who's going to go next? But someone else runs and matches their speed. And when, when the guy's at his top speed, he puts his hand back like that, right? And the next person takes it. And then he doesn't stop either. The person continues to run and slows down as the next person that's taking it accelerates to the fastest speed. But then there's someone else that's going to run up behind them and take it. All right? And we don't want to drop the baton. We want to pass the baton. Yeah. And so let's pass the baton by having Bill and Mary Lee come on up. Could someone rid this stage of this? I am going to be, we're going to be figuratively running. (laughs) But you have to both. No, no, you're behind me. It's like a three-legged race. (laughs) (laughs) One baton, you both grab it. We
5: take off in front
2: of
0: you. No, I'm in front. You come are coming up behind. Well, it
5: works in a track race. (laughs) I take off running and put my head Is that how it works?
0: (laughs) And I can't. Okay. Because
5: you're tired.
0: I am sports agnostic. (laughs) I don't know any of the details, but it makes a great illustration. So they're running, and I'm going at my top speed, and I put it in their hand, and they go. (laughs) Scott and Stephanie. That was good. (laughs) Stand up a little bit here so we can stand behind you. All right. Well, we, Scott and Stephanie and I, are going to pray uh, and pass the mantle, pass the baton to them. And so would you join with me in prayer? Um, yeah, Father, we ask in, and we come in Jesus' name, knowing with full assurance that you are present uh, in this time and that this is a sacred moment. And Lord, as I take oil, and anoint Bill and Mary Lee with this oil and with this prayer. <laughs> I take off the mantle of leadership and pastoring this congregation, and I place it on them because I've seen that they have proven themselves worthy. That. Lord, you can trust them, I can trust them, and they are worthy of this congregation's trust. As so I put on you the responsibility, but also the reward of serving Jesus by serving his bride, New Day Community Church, this, this expression of Jesus' bride. Lord, I thank you. God, I'm so gracious. I'm so, gr- I'm so full of gratitude. I'm so thankful, Lord, for this couple, for who they are and who they've become and who you're going to make them be. Lord, and it is my greatest honor and privilege to hand to them this baton and to see them run and to and to see all the things that you're going to do in and through them, Lord. We don't know, as the story unfolds, as Scott alluded to, we don't know the victories. We don't know the challenges. But we know the Lord Jesus, and we know that he will lead you from victory to victory, from faith to faith, from glory to glory.
3: Yeah, I just bless you guys. And I just affirm the strength that's in you. I affirm the calling that's on you. And I just say, run, don't look back. Don't look back. Don't question. You guys have it. You've got it. God has put it in you. And you are so qualified for this um, because you know who you are and you know who he is. And I just bless you guys with uh, the ability to go through all the mountains, the valleys. It's not a, it's not a, a run that's done on a track, but it's, uh, you know, yeah, it's off-road. It's in the mountains. Yeah, Trail run, put your trail runners on. <laughs> Sometimes it's in the streets, but I just bless you guys. And whatever I've received, um, just an authority to pastor, to lead, I just impart to you guys Whatever has been given to me from the elders that have gone ahead of me, that have laid hands on me, as I lay hands on you guys, I just say be filled, be filled with the wind of the Spirit, be filled with a mantle of leadership, pastoring, and just receive something from God, receive something from God that he wants to put on you.
4: Guys, I was just seeing this picture of uh, you know when you're a kid, you put those the clay into the molds and then you pull the mold off and then it gets to dry and be painted. And I just saw that, as these guys were praying for you, you guys have been molded for this moment, but actually the kind of the detail of color and definition is is really going to start to fill in in a whole new way, and you guys are going to as we all do over time, look very different. And so I bless you guys uh, for this moment that you have been molded for as, as jars of clay, as earthen vessels to be filled with treasure of revelation and the glory of God's presence. And my word to you is stay yielded. That is the key for the two of you. Stay yielded to him and just watch what he does with you because his, Brush is in his hand, and there's all kinds of definition and color to be brought forth as the two of you flourish, and I bless you both to flourish exceedingly. I bless you to flourish. I bless you with a sense of humor. By golly, you'll need it. (laughs) And You know, Scott and I made a deal with each other right when we planted the church. We said, if we ever stop having fun, then we're stopping. And and we've stuck to that. And so I bless you guys to be filled with the playfulness of God and the the lightheartedness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: So there are a number of pastors that either have served or have been sent from this congregation. I would ask them to come up. Pastor Ken, of course, our founding pastor. Give Pastor Ken a big hand. (laughs) Pastor Mark Morris, Uh, 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 Sunnyville, Scott Sunnyville, over here, huh? Seth and Sarah Gerber, yeah, come on up. The the McKees are watching online. They were they weren't able to come here, and so um, you know, isn't this a great cruise? Get up on here, Scott. Uh, this is my crew. That's right. What a what an honor to be part of this this team. You've all done well. I'm so proud of you all. So humbled to be part of this. Really blown away. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be up here. So these are heroes in the faith, guys. These are heroes you don't know. I know more than you know, but you don't know the whole story. You don't know the battles. You don't know the lions that these men and women have fought and won. Yeah. You don't know the bears that have come to attack the sheep. The courage rose up in them. And they stood their ground. You don't know the Goliaths. They faced with nothing but a little stone. You don't know. This is a, this is a team of heroes. And we're honored to welcome Bill and Mary Lee into this group. So we're just going to pray a blessing. I pray that you would join with me. Father, again, we thank you for Bill and Mary Lee. We bless them. As they take on this next step, we believe that you have such great things in store.
6: Our dear, dear friends, (laughs) we're so proud of you. (laughs) Um, Just was seeing you so much like David in the field, who had and he was so faithful. He was so faithful, and he was so faithful, and he did everything with the Lord and i've walked with you guys for years and just seen you over and over and over just like stephanie mentioned yielding to god you've yielded to god over and over and over and he has found you faithful and um yeah i just see in this house a spring i was seeing in the spirit a spring like a fountain bursting into this room and it was over the stage in the spirit but it just represented the body here, and I just saw this fountain coming and gushing forth refreshing and healing and restoration and unity, and I saw people just drinking of that refreshing fountain, and you guys were playing in it. The whole congregation was playing in it, and I just felt like the Lord is coming in a way to like bring something powerful that only He can bring that comes from Him, a refreshing, and it's going to mark your ministry. And I just feel like there's like this, um, and it's like a new wave, and it's, it's for like the benefit of the body, but a bringing in of new people even. And I just see like just people coming in and their lives being restored and their marriages being restored and people never having experienced God the way that they have here. And um, it's going to be story after story told, told and told again about what they experienced here. And I just feel like the mark of the Lord is on you too. To facilitate
7: what he's doing yeah yeah i just was remembering second kings 2 <clears throat> where uh the mantle was being passed from elijah to elisha And specifically, I just heard you guys saying, where is the God of Ken? Where is the God of Cameron? And because when the mantle came, he picked up the cloak and he he slammed it on the ground and the sea split. And I, I just see you. Um, on the authority that's being passed down to you on the mantle that's being given to you today to be able to actually exercise that mantle, exercise that place. But it says that the cloak, Came the mantle came with a double portion, and so we say double portion on you two. Double portion. Cameron Ken's biggest dream is that you would go beyond, that it would go farther than it's ever gone before, and we say yes and amen to the double portion on these two in Jesus' name. Amen.
8: You know, there's some amazing people standing here, but I was thinking, you know, th- at one time back in 1969, 70, there was just a little hippie on. on the highway in California. A lot of people would have passed by with no idea of what God was going to end up That's doing. Right. That's right. And then in Kalamazoo in 1981, there was a couple of kids Going to college, hippie wannabes, hippie wannabes. <laughs> ping pong players. <laughs> who would have Who would have thought? I I didn't at the time. <laughs> and then at uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you know, and and I don't know everybody else's you know in, individual thing, but I I felt like what God was yeah, saying was, sometimes it's the most unlikely that's people. Right. It's just this one strange individual that you may run into. He may be the person that pours your coffee, or he may be a person that that you get a handout to because he he just needs it. But I bless you with the eyes to see that person. I bless you with the heart to receive them and to love them and to know them and and to nurture them through every aspect of their growth until you see the fruit of grace in them. Thank you, Jesus.
7: Thank you. You're preparing
5: them, preparing them. This is going to be intense. I'll hold that. I'll take a couple of those. Take a couple of those. I need a nose plug. Don't forget to mention little Caesar. Okay, little, Ce- okay. little Caesar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Man. I'm so excited for you guys. And I just want to uh, just bless you as I was just thinking about you and just praying. God, what do you want to say this morning? I was reminded in, in Luke that it uh, says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. And I've seen that that is just your practice. And in the midst, I mean, Jesus had some important stuff to do. He's very busy. Right? But he knew the value, the power, the significance of withdrawing from that stuff to be filled from his Father, to receive from his Father. And I know that's you guys' heart. And I just, just want to pray a blessing that in those quiet places, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of chaos and people. <laughs> <laughs> that you would be able to steal away in the early hours of the morning to find your Father, to find his presence, to be filled up again, to receive that energy and the the power that he has for you, the guidance and the direction that he has for you, just to fulfill the call, the amazing call that he's put on your life. And So we just bless you. We just bless you as you walk out this this amazing thing that you're doing. Love you guys. you.
8: Wow. A little difficult to speak when tears are flowing, but I'm so excited today cuz it's the most exciting thing when someone says yes and amen to what God has called them into. Yes. With a with a with a humility and with a with a heart of a servant, but most importantly the obedience yep. to actually step into it and do it and they're not the only ones called to this each person here is called to this right. and yeah. and each each and every person here if you step into this congregation and approach them with a heart of humility a heart of a servant and with obedience yeah. what will happen Come on. that kingdom will blow up and expand like yeah, nothing we've right. seen before so Let's do it, huh?
5: Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's
8: Let's stand
0: and sing a song. And
1: all my life you have been faithful. Yeah. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am in. I will sing of the goodness of God all my life, and all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so. been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness darkest night, you are close like no other, I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend. goodness is running after it's running after me all my life because all my life faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I'll sing I will sing of the goodness of the goodness of God.
0: Kathy Swalding uh, came up and shared something I think is very fitting and very appropriate. And so would you just share it with them?
9: So um, I've been here a long time (laughs) and um, I'm a member of New Day Community Church and I just feel like we should respond to what the Lord has done today. We saw some pastors who've come and laid the hands on them, but as a congregation, I would like us to say thank you to God and welcome our new pastors. So would you... (laughs)
0: You may said in. I've asked. You can be seated. They want to say something. <laughs> yes, of course.
5: Um, <laughs> thank you. And um, I guess our, our heart is to, you guys are also kind to us, you know, the prayers, the, everything that happened this morning, but our heart is to submit, you know, like our first thing here as lead pastors is just to submit it all to Jesus and to bring him honor for it you know and my heart just going back to my seat was drawn to the cross you know and we just want to leave all of the all of this at his feet you know and our heart is to serve our worship is to serve you to to serve him um and that's that's where we're going from here (laughs) and and we're submitted to do that to serve him and to serve you
9: I don't know how coherent or complete this will be. I'm being very emotional, but I just have to say thank you to all of you. This room is packed with um, friends who are visiting today. It's packed with our congregation, the people who are here week after week, the people who will link arms with and will reach our community for Jesus together because we're collective yes to God. We're going to keep saying yes to him and so that's where our hearts are. We're just we're just a couple of kids that said yes to God and we keep saying yes. And we're going to keep saying yes. And we say follow us as we follow Christ. And we're just so grateful. Thank you for all the prayers and the anointing and the mantle and and just everything. We're so so grateful. We value each and every one of you so much. Thank you so much for coming today, and we are so excited about what's in store. We just honor the heritage that's before us. You know, we're just leading this chapter of the New Day book, and there will be another leader in the next, but we just honor those before, and we just want to, you know, take seriously this call, but also be under that light um, yoke of Jesus while we While we go forward. And so I just had to say something. (laughs) Love love you guys.
0: (laughs) I've asked the founding pastor Ken Norberg to say a benediction and blessing upon the congregation. Whoa.
8: Father, you have been and are so beautiful so good i feel like a bow has been strung pulled back and an arrow is being shot the arrow of the lord's deliverance Uh, hallelujah father let your kingdom come through us Let your will be done by us in this earth to the honor of the name of Jesus Christ and the glory of the everlastingly wonderful Father, amen.